listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Oh, hi. Good afternoon. Hope you're enjoying this sunny yet frigid day. Uh, I'm back. Feels good to be back. So I uh, was away. I was actually away for a week, but it kind of overlapped two Saturdays, which is why I was uh, not on air for the past two weekends. Um, I went out west, actually. I don't know if... I'm trying to remember if I mentioned that on the last show, but uh, my brother, my sister-in-law, and my niece are just outside of Vancouver, and then I have an uncle who's in uh, Victoria. So I went out there, and usually when I'm out west, it's kind of gray and foggy, and I've never spent a lot of time in Vancouver because my brother is kind of more in the suburbs. Um, So anytime that I have been there, I never get to see the mountains, and I never really get to see them with, with snow. And when I was there a week ago, they had... I'm sorry to say this. I'm not saying this to rub it in because I'm now back in Toronto and uh, wearing my parka again. But last week in BC, I was in Vancouver and then I was in Victoria. It was like perfectly blue skies, sunny and and not shorts weather, but even like 12, 15 degrees, like really beautiful, beautiful springtime weather. And for me, uh, because I actually did spend a little bit of time in Vancouver uh, for the first time just to, you know, see the city and figure out where the good places are to eat and what sorts of restaurants and bakeries and, and things that they have there. It was so nice to be out there and be able to look out. And, and now I understand when people um, say how much they love Vancouver, and I've always said, like, I, I I couldn't handle the rain. Well, when I was out there, it was so stunning, and, and you know, the view was so beautiful, and I got to um, walk around. I walked around Stanley Park for a little bit. Um, I guess they call it the, the seawall because it's a really picturesque way to ride a bike or, or take a walk. And um, we looked at this map, and my sister-in-law said, well, we can walk most of it. And she kind of pointed kind of around the map. And if you know me, I cannot follow maps whatsoever. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a nice little 20-minute stroll. We've got my niece in the stroller. In the end, we walk like eight kilometers because I'm thinking, how far is this seawall? It's so massive. Um, but it was really it was really quite amazing. So I, I was out there because I was invited on a short uh, little press trip to Victoria. Um, and I do a little bit of travel writing, which is why sometimes I go on these trips. But because I have family out there, I thought, well, what a great time to um, you know spend a few days. I spent the long the Easter long week uh, long weekend with my brother and his family, and I know I talk about her a lot. Well, a little bit. I don't. I don't think I'm excessive. But um, my niece, uh, she's now a year old, and she's really adorable. And if you want to see her, I feel like I'm. I'm that person, um, the crazy aunt. Uh, I do post. I do post photos of her and such on uh, my social media channel. So you know, on my Twitter, uh, Instagram at Pay Chen on Facebook. I also joined this thing that the kids are on called Snapchat. Uh, Mike Trutler is my technical producer this weekend. Mike, are you on Snapchat? I'm familiar with it, but no, I'm not on You're not, it. Do you have any interest uh, in being on it? In Snapchat? Not really, to be not honest. Not really? Yeah. I, I, I'm not even sure how it works exactly. Well, thank you. Welcome to my world. Because <laughs> I'm a, like, probably a decade older than Mike, and so I'm like, I don't understand this. Is this because of, I'm of a certain age where... There aren't words for the buttons. Like nothing says like um, click. Like it just they're all like symbols, and you're supposed to just figure it out. Um, and it's hard to find people on Snapchat because you know how on like Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you somebody might retweet and repost, so then you see their name and yep. you go, oh, that person looks like they have interesting content. Yeah. No, for Snapchat, you have to know the actual person's name, uh, like their user handle. Mine is. Uh, 
Pei Chen Eats, if you want to find me there. And then I just kind of forget that I have it. But I hear it's the new thing, and I don't want to be left out. Absolutely not. Uh, I guess um, the big thing about it, from the sounds of it, is maybe you have to go out and be social first to get the ball rolling for your Snapchat account. So that's a good thing. It gets people actually talking in person, because how are you going to find out about other people's accounts then, unless you talk to them in person, and uh, then you get connected. But hey, you know, you're actually having real live human contact beforehand. Yes, that is a good point, because I don't get out a lot, so I keep posting things from like my tiny condom, like, this is my bathroom. This is my washing machine. How, how many bathroom and washing machine pictures are you putting up, be honest? Well, I'm going to stop now because I don't think it's getting me any new followers. <laughs> That's a clear sign. Um, so I started that. So it's hard to manage all of these things, right? Like you have all these social media accounts. You're like, this one I'll post to Instagram. This one maybe on Twitter. And um, anyway, it's enjoyable. So if you want to find out a little bit about my trip, you can there. Now, as you know, I do like food stuff as well. I'll do that, like food writing on the radio, on TV. So I was out in BC. I didn't have a ton of time. So I was like crunching all this eating into one day, like enough eating that you might want to leisurely spread out over two or three days. And um, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with Vancouver, but the food there was spectacular. Like, have you been? Yeah, I was actually there last February when my uh, sister graduated uh, from her nursing college oh, and nice. we went to a few nice restaurants. You're yeah. right. Amazing there. Yeah. Food's fantastic. Especially like myself, I, I love seafood because I grew up on the East Coast. So seafood there, then West Coast, yep. beautiful seafood, had an amazing lunch at uh, Hawksworth Restaurant, mm-hmm. which a lot of people had told me about. Um, and you know, like I have a sweet tooth. So there's one day where we visited like three bakeries in a day, but because I knew it was the only time I could be at that bakery, I don't just buy one thing. I'm like, we need two or three different things. There's this place called beta five. They do chocolates and they're in this, like they have a small shop, but it's in this like sketchy industrial area and they do these beautiful cream puffs. Now my sister-in-law is, she's very petite probably because she doesn't eat like I do. And I'm like, we should get five flavors to share. And she looked at me. She's like, we don't have five people. I'm like, no, this is how I eat at home. This is how I eat in Toronto. You're supposed to get all of the flavors and then you just, you know, cut them up and divide and conquer, right? Like, isn't that how it should go? Go big or go home, I believe, is the is the phrase. That so. seems to be my motto in life. And I'm just going to get that tattooed on my wrist. Um, I also actually stayed in Vancouver for the first time, like, Overnight, so I stayed at um, the Opus, which was a really cute little hotel in um, Yale Town, which is an area that, like, I did visit briefly like ten years ago, and you know, it was like a cute up and coming area. Now it's like cafes and restaurants and shops and like all kinds of great stuff. So it was pretty spectacular. And then in Victoria, um, I got to visit with my uncle, and uh, <laughs> he he got a he got a, a newish car. His last car was like. 15 years old. And so the newer car, the, these new ones, you don't need to put the key in the ignition. And they also have like this GPS, you know, um, on the console there. And all he's like, I don't understand what it says. Um, they talk too fast. And uh, he's like, the manual is 200 pages. I'm like, well, no, I don't know that anyone actually reads the manual for a new car. He's like, no, but it has so many new things. He's afraid to drive it. I'm like, you live in Victoria where it's really quiet and the streets are very calm. I don't think you have to be worried about driving in Victoria. Um, I did. There's a couple of great places there that, that I discovered. Um, a fantastic bakery called uh, Crust. And I went back. I was there for three nights. I was there every day. And I came back so full and bloated because I overate that I had to wear workout clothes on the plane ride home because I couldn't. I'm not even exaggerating when I say my clothes are uncomfortable. Like my jeans 
were so tight that they cut into me that I couldn't imagine sitting on the plane for five hours with my jeans physically cutting into my stomach. So I wore gym clothes. I made it look like I was like working out what, on a plane? Like, who does that? Well, you know, you got to get some movement so you avoid <laughs> that deep vein thrombosis. Plus, who dresses yeah. up for the plane nowadays, any, you know? Well, that's the thing. And then, so I started doing yoga down the aisles. There you go. Just to justify what I was wearing. But I stayed at this um, lovely boutique hotel, which was located just right uh, in the center of Victoria. It was called the Magnolia Hotel and Spa. So if you ever get a chance to go out west, um, it was really quite amazing. Like, I was quite surprised by the weather for end of March, early April. And... Um, you know, it's been a few years since I've been out there, but I, I think I want to go again this year when the weather is good. Also, I've got my niece that I want to visit, but and now I know that there's fantastic Aww. food out there. Ah, she's guys. I'm sorry. I know most babies are really cute, but my niece has so much personality. She's really funny, and she has a reverse mullet. Her hair is really long in front and shortened back, and that's just the way it grows. It like will not grow in the back. It only grows in these long. Uh, sideburns. Anyway, I hope someone's still listening right now. <laughs> if you want to interact, thank, thank you, Mike Trutler. Uh, you can always interact in the show because it is live, so you can text in at 71010. I'll let you know what's coming up on the show because I've got some great guests here. Uh, if you've ever, <clears throat> excuse me, as I um, choke on my own uh, saliva, uh, I don't know if you know this, but today is International Gin and Tonic Day. Have you celebrated yet? I have not. I, I'm not cracking a bottle right now, but I feel like I should. <laughs> well, you know, in order to celebrate the day properly. Uh, so I'm going to have an expert mixologist on the show later on uh, to share some things that you might not know about the drink, whether or not you're a big G&T drinker. I'm, I'm not really, but I'm always interested to know like what makes a certain cocktail classic or kind of what the history is behind it. What I didn't know, and I'm going to find out more when I speak to um, this guy, is that you're supposed to... Chew your gin when you taste it. And I didn't know that. So if you do that at a bar, uh, it's probably the right thing to do, but looks like the wrong thing to do. Um, and also coming up just after the break, I'm really excited to talk to this writer and author. It's a topic that every single person can relate to. It's about names. So I would really love you to text in 71010. Let me know if you have what is considered an uncommon or unusual name. And, you know, the names that you um, perhaps had it mixed up with growing up or your any sort of experiences behind it. Um, I'd also love to chat with people who don't go by the name that they were given. You know, there's, so I had a friend for ages who then told me that the name, uh, Marlo, uh, she said, that's not even my real name. It was like, she had two middle names and that was one of them. And it's always sort of surprising. Like, but how is that not your real name? You associate so much with the name you believe that person to have. And I'll have plenty of stories to share, of course, because, um, hey, you know what? When you grow up in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia in the 80s and 90s with a name like, Pay. You get a lot of questions. You got a lot of mispronunciations. You get called a lot of things that are nowhere close to your name. So if you can relate to that, I'd love to hear from you. You can text in at 71010. Duana Taha is a TV screenwriter and also a contributor to the popular entertainment blog Laney Gossip. And she wrote a book called The Name Therapist. And we're going to delve into all the juicy stuff. Things like a Starbucks name. Do you have one of those? And stripper names. Did you give your kids one of those by mistake? And we'll be giving away copies of her book. 
more with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. And thanks for, uh, to those of you who've texted in. You can text in at 71010. Um, I was asking about your names. I'm curious if you grew up with something that most people would consider uh, an unusual, perhaps unconventional or uncommon name. And if you've got a little story that you can share behind it, like was it a name that people always butchered? Did they decide that they would shorten your name and give you a nickname that you didn't like? Um, and if you did grow up with an uncommon name, as a kid, uh, did you like it? Like, were you proud and happy to have a different name? Or did you, like me, wish you had a name that everyone else knew. I wished my name was Sarah. That was the name that I really wanted to have uh, when I was a little kid. And the reason I'm talking about this now is because I have the name therapist in studio. So Duana Taha is a TV screenwriter, and she's also a contributor to the very popular entertainment and gossip blog, Laney Gossip. So you may have read uh, many of her stories online as well. And uh, she uh, wrote a book called The Name Therapist, How Growing Up With My Odd Name Taught Me Everything You Need to Know About Yours. Um, um, so welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, Duanna, your name, the hit, um, your parents are, your mom is Irish, right? And your dad That's is right. Egyptian. That's right. So what's kind of the background of your name? So the name is Old Gaelic, Duanna, okay. uh, which they chose to balance out the Egyptian surname. Okay. Uh, thinking, you know, it's a very Canadian story. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then, of course, my mother would tell me, oh, it's very common in Ireland. Oh, in Ireland, there's lots of Duannas. Is that true? It is a lie. <laughs> when I went to Ireland and I said, they would say to me, your name is what? They had no idea. Really? You know, yeah, it's, okay. it's really, really old. It's not in common usage. So right. that's the, the story of, uh, of how uncommon it is. <laughs> and, uh, so there's obviously multiple spellings for most names. Like your name, you spell it D-U-A-N-A or rather your parents spelled it that way, but you discover that there are many ways to spell it. Uh, I found that spelling kind of to be the, the prevalent one. The pronunciation is all over the place. Right. Some people think it's Duana, which is like, and they think it's a feminine for Duane or, uh, you know, Duana. Uh, I met a couple of people who were from Britain or from uh, New Zealand and they sort of, they somehow put an R into it. So, and you kind of go, I, I never knew Duana, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because there's certain names that there's only one way to pronounce them. Like Tim is Tim. Lisa is Lisa. Like there's no, you know, you, no one adds extra letters in those. Well, it's funny because there's a lot of names though that sound like Lisa that are yeah. spelled differently. I've seen a lot of different spellings. Uh, L-E-S-I-A people pronounce Lisa and also Lasha, but uh, yeah. there are people or L-E-C-I-A. I've seen a lot of them. So it's interesting the way that names kind of adapt to Who's wearing them? Yeah. And I, I think one thing to note about your book is it's not uh, one of those um, like baby naming book guides that are quite popular, you know, where it's like, this is what the name is. This is what the meaning is when people are trying to choose their names. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, we talk about baby names a lot. What will we name the baby? But in fact, they're people names. They're names that we carry around for our whole lives. And so they're, they're not just about what looks cute on a little infant, but yeah, what they actually mean in the real world. And yeah, nobody really knows if your name means Laurel Tree when you're walking around talking. <laughs> to them. Now, uh, what made you a name geek? And then, you know, when you then became sort of a name therapist? 
Definitely growing up with the weird name, never having the keychain with your name on it, which yes, I know you appreciate. Never had that. The romper room lady never says your name. Never which said my name. Big scars there. <laughs> uh, so then I was really interested in names and that my name made me different and wondering if other people felt the same way about their names. Later on, when I started talking about names and offering advice to people about their names, I realized... Oh, people have all these stories. Adults, people who are about to name children, young adults, Mm -hmm. have stories and thoughts and feelings about their names, but we never really talk about names once we have them. And those stories about changing your name or living with a strange one or uh, learning to love your name are stories that I love. And so those are kind of the stories that make up the book. And you talk to a lot of uh, different like academics and professionals and people who had done a lot of research into um, things. Some of it, I think, makes sense. Some of it, I think, is a little bit crazy. But, you know, they they would study, uh, let's say... um, the names of people who had high paying jobs or who were most likely to succeed or how we just as regular people perceived certain names. So like for women, like the name Catherine registered very highly, but Alice didn't. Right. And, you know, it's, it's worth noting that some of those studies like become outdated, especially because the sample size was based on names that people were familiar with. Right. But yeah, it's, uh, people think that somebody who is named Catherine, for example, has a whole lot of success and friendliness and a whole kinds of things around her. Those are perceptions that have nothing to do with what it says in the baby book. Right. But it's interesting to note that that's how people react to names and feel about them. Uh, as for Alice, I think Alice is great. I think she's got a wonderful, wonderful life ahead of her. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you're Alice. You're not destined for, you know, a mediocre life and uh, and career. Um, so because of a lot of the uh, stories that you would write for Lainey Gossip, for example, people started coming to you and writing you, asking you for your advice on naming their babies. And you would often, what did you, I guess, what did you find uh, occurred most often when people were asking you for advice? So it was First of all, that was where I really realized that adults have huge amounts of investment in their own names or lack of investment, really didn't like them and wanted a different name for their child. Parents today are really concerned with wanting a unique name or at least not a common name, which I think was not so much of a concern a generation Mm -hmm. ago. That was something that didn't, uh, didn't come up as much. And by and large, I heard the, it's, you know, a really Canadian story, a North American story, I should say. Everybody said, well, I'm from this culture and my husband is from that culture or my wife and we live in a third place. How do we choose a name that works for all the people, works for all the parents who speak different languages Mm -hmm. and works for the kid to kind of be a global citizen? So that's a a real fun challenge. What, What would you recommend to them in that sort of situation? You know, often they have parameters. They right. say like in our, in, in a given language, you know, we can't say this sound or this letter. Uh, okay. So within this, what would you recommend? Usually it winds up something short, yeah. uh, and usually something that is, uh, has a sort of a version that is in English, a version that's in French or Italian. So that depending on where they are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that can be translated a little more easily. I feel like that's how some children end up with like five names is because there to make different individuals happy. There's a name that's, you know, named after the grandfather, then the name that pleases the mother's side, the name that pleases the dad's side, and the name the parents will. And then you end up with these kids with these, like, giant names. Giant with a million middle names. And I even ran into people who go by different names depending on which side of the family they're with. 
Really? That's actually a way that some people live, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. Um, so Duana Taha is my guest. She's a TV screenwriter, also a contributor to Laney Gossip, but th- she is the name therapist. Her book just came out this week. We're going to talk a little bit more with her after the break. Uh, if you know what a Starbucks name is, and I think some of you do, uh, text in 71010. Let me know what your Starbucks name is. Uh, someone has already, Suzanne wrote in. She says her Starbucks name is Susan. Oh, yeah, that's, that's easy. That's simple enough. Uh, we'll talk about stripper names. And we'll also ask Duanna what her most, um, her favorite names are. If you're thinking of, you know, naming your newborn or you're planning kids down the road. If you have any questions, you can also text in and uh, try to get to them with Duanna at seven ten ten. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In Depth Radio News Talk ten ten. Taking a quick break. Back right after this. Where opinions are celebrated, the Pay Chen Show on News Talk ten ten. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to the name therapist, Duanna Taha. She's a writer. She writes uh, TV shows. She also contributes to Laney Gossip, which is a very popular entertainment and gossip blog, and uh, self-proclaimed like name geek. And because of your interest in names, because you grew up with a kind of unusual name yourself, oh yeah, um, you put together this great book. And going through it, I could relate to a lot of it. And I just found so much of it really fascinating. I want to remind listeners that I will be giving away copies of your book later on the show. Um, now, growing up, I will assume that a lot of people who have unusual names have similar experiences. If we grew up anywhere kind of in Canada, North America, um, I hated my name. Right. And why did you hate it the most? I hated my name because everyone paused because it was different. My name is very simply spelled, so it's P-A-Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't the situation like I had friends who had uh, longer like Indian names and people struggled with the vowels and the pronunciation. My name was exactly the way it was spelled, but it was weird. So people always paused. Right. Um, and then, you know, well, what does that mean? I'm like, I... I don't know. Like my, I think my mom said it meant flower. My mom may have said it meant creative. I think she just, she made it up on the spot. Um, but I hated that, like in school, um, no one else had the name, so it was weird. Right. Right. And you never wanted to stand out. No, absolutely. And you always know when the teacher's reading attendance and then takes a breath after, after (laughs) the next name and then goes, well, I found that was something interesting, actually. People always talk about uh, not wanting their kids to be made fun of on the playground mm-hmm. for their name. But in a lot of cases, even back then, but I think much more now, it's the adults who talk about the weird name and who kind of give the impression that your name is strange, if right. you notice. Kids don't know the difference between, you know, Kristen and like Kavya. Uh, right. They don't know which name is sort of quote unquote ethnic or unusual. And yeah, you're often right. it's the adults who are unconsciously or consciously kind of giving them that that impression that there's something strange about yeah, it. Yeah, because when you're five years old, if you know a Christopher, you don't know that whether or not that's super common or not unless you happen to know five Christophers. Right, exactly. But uh, yeah, there's nothing that's different about that than, you know, Vishnu. Absolutely. You know, I, I love the texts that are uh, coming in. So I, I was asking people also about their Starbucks name, which we'll get to in a little bit. But people have been telling, um, texting in with their unusual names. Um, someone wrote in and said, my parents immigrated from Germany. They picked a name from the baby name book and assumed it would be common. I hated my name. It's Bernita. <laughs> So her parents, as immigrants, were like, well, let's pick this name for her because it'll be fine. And then she, you know, had those troubles. Right. And, you know, good assumption on their part. It's in the book. <laughs> it must be usable. Everyone must love this name. Um, did you 
want to change your name as a child? And what did you, what was your dream name? Oh, well, you know, you were talking about uh, really wanting to be a Sarah. Mm-hmm. When I was sort of five or six, I thought the, the quintessential North American kid was Megan. Oh. I thought, yeah, Megan was really where I wanted to be. In fact, when somebody asked me my name in the grocery store, I said, Megan. My mother went, no, it's not. <laughs> my child is a liar. <laughs> yeah, so uh, how do you respond to that? That's yeah. so embarrassing. So definitely I wanted to be Megan. But when I got older, I thought, oh, well, maybe I should make it a little closer to my real name. Yeah. And so at various points, I tried to be Danny. Danielle. I tried to be Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, if you're going to try and do that, just don't just do it just on a random Monday. Yeah. You should probably choose a good breaking point in your life and not just show up at school hoping everybody will change your name for you. Yeah, it doesn't like, work out. Now call me Crystal. Um, I wanted to be Sarah because there was a girl who lived on my street who was much older and I thought she was really cool and her name was Sarah. And I, the name, I already chose my full name. I wanted my name to be Sarah. Love, because I I don't know why I thought that was like a fun name. Love Lane after Lois Lane, but I didn't like the name Lois. But I right. So my last name was going to be Lane. Yeah, which is a super porn star name. (laughs) But at the time, you know, it really made sense to you. It would have made you feel very glamorous. I was obsessed with that name, and I thought that when I was an adult, which at the time when you're like seven or eight years old, you think being an I thought being an adult was when you turn sixteen, and that meant you could do whatever you wanted. I was going to legally change my name. Starbucks names. For people who don't know what that is, you want to just give us a little... A Starbucks name is the name that you give when you walk into Starbucks and they say, and who's this for? And it's not worth it to explain. Uh, Well, it's D-U-A... No, just one N. No, no. Uh, You just give a random name. Mm -hmm. I usually go with Dana. So if you hear a Dana in Starbucks, it might be me. Okay. Uh, Just something that... Means that uh, nobody asks questions and you're that much closer to your coffee. Yeah, because it's funny because you often, I often see like on Twitter or Facebook, people will post a photo of their name scrawled on a Starbucks cup and it's like completely different from what their name actually is. Right. I have the habit of spelling my name out for people because, because it's so short. I'll say pay, P A Y, and they usually they pause. And so sometimes I get fay, I get peg. Right? Peg. Peg. Of course. A lot. Um, So when people, do you have favorite names? Like when people come to you as they do and they say, look, we were planning a family, you know, boy or girl, um, what is a good name? I do. And I find myself offering them over and over and I thought you better, you better pull back from them. Uh, and also sometimes I, I'll suggest a name and then I get an email from people saying, don't suggest that. That's our name. We love it. And we don't want anybody else to know You're about kidding. it. You're kidding. Absolutely. I got one about, uh, Anthea the other day, A-N-T-H-E-A. And yeah. somebody sent me a letter saying, don't you, don't suggest that. We really love it. They um, wanted to keep it for themselves. They want to keep it, which I yeah. think is a really new phenomenon. I've been suggesting Greta a lot. Uh, I'm really into Bruno. I want Bruno. to bring back Bruno. Really? Bruno, yeah. Okay. O names are really big for boys right now. What other O names? I want to say Orlando, but I'm not sure if that's so. Oliver? Like oh, Oliver is kind of where it started, but yeah. the O sound. You know, we've heard oh. of a lot of Leos, for example, yes. and Milo and Otto are coming up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So you know, look for the next kind of ones. Will be that O sound maybe in Lionel. Uh, in, in auto, yeah, kind of, uh, yeah. Arlo, those kind of names that you hear. Otis is a big Hollywood name now. Wow. So those O sounds are coming up a lot for boys. Now you yourself, you have a, a toddler and, uh, you thought you, you picked out a girl name. Right. But you didn't have a girl. That's right. Exactly. So yeah. then do you share it? Cause it was, can I share the name that you chose for the girl? Oh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, Daphne. Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Which yeah. is a very pretty name. Now, do you recommend that to a lot of people who are having girls? I do find favorite? myself. Yeah, I do find myself going kind of. You know, not all the time. Just if it's special. Just if it, if there are people who I'm like, oh, you'll do well for it. Um, you know, I also had somebody who uh, I had a letter writer write to me who was unsure about a certain name. Uh, 
she wasn't sure if she should use it. And somebody yeah. else wrote to me afterwards and said, she doesn't deserve that name. If oh. she doesn't see how good it is, yeah. she doesn't deserve it. So Now, in the research uh, that you did for the book, and just because you're so curious about names, I'd love to know the names that are most memorable to you, like whether it's because you love them, hate them, or they're just so outrageous. Well, uh, they come in all the time. I'm constantly updating. I uh, I annoyed my editor by constantly coming back to her and saying, we have to use these names. Uh, I interviewed a woman, an actress by the name of Sagan Lewis, who was on the show St. Elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. If you saw it, you remember Sagan Lewis. She was actually born Susan and had to change her name because of the unions. You can't have two actors with the same name. Oh. And so that was interesting. You know, it was her career. What happened was that many years later, she discovered she keeps meeting young women named Sagan who named her, named their children after Sagan Lewis, who was an actress in the 1980s. So when she meets uh, young Sagans, they are named for her and they were born kind of 1986, 87, 88. I think it's got to be kind of a nice feeling, right? You're like, oh my gosh, someone named their child after me. Who knew that I had that impact? Uh, I also spoke to a uh, a young person uh, by the name of Jet Li. That's his actual first name. I love this one. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to continue to protect his privacy. His yeah. name is in the book, but he is a 14 year old living in New York city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his parents, uh, thought of a few names before, before they settled on that one. Yeah. They also thought of and rejected, uh, Cobra commander Cobra. as Cobra commander. Is that a GI Joe? I, yeah, I was going to say transformers. I okay, think it is maybe. a GI Joe. Yeah. Name. Um, so, you know, definitely some, some oddities there. There, you know what? It's funny. And I was at just the grocery store the other day. Um, the woman, uh, the cashier, her name tag said blessing. And I thought your parents were lovely when you were born. <laughs> now I know what they thought of you. Absolutely. You know, and you can see kind of that instinct to name, uh, your child about all those emotions that you have, you know, uh, People name their child Nevea, which mm-hmm. is heaven spelled backwards. Okay. But yep. you don't think about, you know, yeah. maybe the, the day to day interactions that Blessing is going to have when many, many people ask her about her name yeah. or Nevea or so forth. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Duanna. Thank you, Pei. What a blast. So, Duanna Taha, the name therapist is what the book is called and you can definitely pick it up now. It is out and I'll also be giving away copies later on the show. Coming up, I'll tell you about International Gin and Tonic Day. You're listening to the Pei Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Now back to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Just before the break, I was talking with uh, Duanna Taha about her book, The Name Therapist, and I got lots of great texts from you. I just wanted to share some of them because I feel like a lot of you can relate whether or not your name is considered unusual or not. Um, Someone wrote and said, my name is Brandy. When I was younger, my name was not really an issue until uh, it was in college. Everyone thought I was a prostitute or a stripper. And then when I would go to the liquor store, they would always throw the joke in about which Brandy do you like? Ha, 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 which happens. Well, because my name is... This happened this week. I had a a courier come by, and I think I embarrassed him because um, he, he asked me to sign my name. And he goes, oh, oh. Pay is your real name. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I thought it was like a company name, like Pay Chen. I go, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, like, you know, PayPal or Payday. And so he just went on this like whole stream. And I just looked at him like kind of like with empty eyes because I've heard it so many times. Um, and, and then he looked a little bit embarrassed, I think because I wasn't reacting. And I said, oh, uh, oh, don't worry about it. It's um, I've heard it all before. And then I think I, may, I embarrassed him even more because I insinuated that he wasn't creative. <laughs> so then I'm like, 
Anyway, thank you. Goodbye. I'm going to close the door now. Um, I, what I didn't mention, and, and Duanna kind of said this as she left, because we forgot to mention that you are in the book. And uh, Duanna did do a short interview with me about my name uh, for the book, and I shared my story about growing up and um, absolutely hating my name. So thanks to those of you for uh, texting in. Um, if you want, I have three copies of Duanna's book to give away. So you can win by text. I will randomly select winners if you text in before the end of the show show, so before 4 o'clock. Make sure you send me your full name and your mailing address because they will be sent by mail. So I'll pick three winners, and as long as you get that text in in the next uh, 10 minutes, you will be entered, and I will contact the winners directly. So make sure you give me your full name. I will judge you by the name, just kidding, uh, and your mailing address. So as I was mentioning throughout the show, today is International Gin and Tonic Day. Are you wondering how you're supposed to celebrate? Well, <laughs> I've got uh, Colin Turner here with me. Um, now, Colin, you have been working in the industry for over two decades, and you do like the be- bar and beverage program for Sir Corp, and that includes Red's uh, Midtown, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. So you know a lot about mixing drinks. I've been at it for about 20, <laughs> 25, 26 years now. I do have a, a bit of knowledge about mixing drinks, absolutely. So G&T Day, I never knew it existed. Well, it's a. It, there are actually a couple of international gin and tonic days. One is in November, and this mm-hmm. one uh, is celebrated April 9th, and it's kind of it was the first international gin and tonic day. Uh, basically, we're celebrating all things that are gin and tonic. Gin and tonic has a wonderful history behind it as well. So, to me, um, like it's such a classic cocktail, like a Negroni or a whatever, like just mm. the, you know, one of the classics. Uh, what makes, I guess, you know, the G and T um, sort of that quintessential classic special drink? Very good question. I mean, what, <laughs> what makes a GAT? Um, it, it's a very classic drink. You've often heard about people roll up to a, a bar or you're sitting on your patio and mm-hmm. you feel like a gin and tonic. Tonic uh, in itself has a nice bitter aftertaste. It's designed to wake up your palate a little bit. And gin has a, a bunch of different botanicals uh, that go into making of it that sort of wake up the tonic that's in, in your glass. It's very, very refreshing. You can have a couple of them by sitting by the pool in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're generally considered more of a spring-summer drink. And when it's Perfect really, timing. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's spring Perfect. doesn't feel like it yet. Not but. <laughs> quite, but it's getting there. Um, but it's the type of drink you would – it's a very standard go-to cocktail. It's been around for many, many years. Now, because you know a lot about gin and I know almost nothing, um, I heard that when you taste gin, you're supposed to chew it. I don't even know what this means. Well, it's uh, you're not technically chewing it, but what you're doing, when you taste it – you go to a wine tasting, you want mm-hmm. to sniff the wine, you put it into your mouth, you let it roll around your tongue, and you breathe in some air. When you're tasting spirits, it's a little bit different. You cannot really take a good nose of that. It's going to burn your nostrils. You're not going to be very happy. So when you taste the gin, you want it in your mouth, and you gently kind of roll it around your teeth and give it a little bit of a chew. Oh, what do you mean? Like roll around your teeth like you're swishing? A little bit of swishing, a little bit like you're chewing a piece of gum and keeping your mouth closed because you don't want to get caught in class type of thing. Right. And then it really kind of opens up all the botanicals and all the wonderful uh, flavors that are in that particular gin. It just makes them sing a little bit more, and then it absorbs on your tongue, and uh, you simply swallow it down. Now, uh, I like the idea of you know botanicals changing the flavor mm-hmm. of gin, and can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. I mean, gins are all gins are very, very different uh, from each other. Some have... Uh, I'm glad you say that. That, only because I thought gin was gin. No, absolutely not. I mean, gin is uh, 
it, it's predominantly have a, has a juniper flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Juniper is a very bright sort of bitter type of uh, type of botanical. Um, the gins are all very different. For example, Boodle's Gin, which is one of our uh, our featured gins tonight. They don't put any citrus peel in their in their mix. They believe that the citrus should be added to the cocktail after they've made the gin. Uh, other gins uh, like Beefeater 24, they soak their botanicals for 24 hours before distilling, so they get a really strong sort of citrus oh. and botanical note coming through. Right. So some some gins are very light. Some gins have a lot of flavor. Some gins have things like rose and cucumber in them. Uh, to give them a very unique flavor. I can get the spring-summer sense from what these flavors are, like citrus, rose, cucumber. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like very light, very refreshing. And I honestly thought that, like, gin just had one flavor. I had no idea <laughs> that it could be different. Now, how would someone know, um, like, a good, you know, quote-unquote good gin from a bad gin? Is there a way, like, where you go, like, oh, it shouldn't taste like this, or if you, you know, if, if you get this kind of flavor, um, that's usually a sign of quality? Uh, not so much. I mean, it's all tailored to your personal taste. Some people like a lot of bitter flavors. Some people like a lot of soft citrus flavors. Some people like to, a big, heavy juniper flavor. So is the question that if there's a good gin or a bad gin, it might be a bad gin for you. It mm-hmm. might be a good gin for me. It all depends on what you like to drink on any given day. Myself, personally, I prefer a London dry gin. I like them very dry, tart, lots of uh, juniper berry, lots of angelica root, and citrus peel in there because that's the flavor I enjoy with a gin. Other people may like a softer gin that has gone through a steam distillation where the flavors aren't so heavy and you get a little bit more of that base neutral grain spirit coming through, a little bit of a bite and a little bit of a burn on your tongue. Now, what is the um, history behind the G&T? The history behind G&T, well, back in about the 1700s, the British East India Trading Company, uh, the army introduced quinine into the rations. Now, quinine is the bitter ingredient that you taste in a tonic. And back then, it was thought to be an anti-malarial drug. Of course, in the South Seas in that time, Mm -hmm. malaria was very prevalent. So they used to give the army uh, a ration of this. Uh, they also had a ration of gin, and what they started to do, because the quinine was extremely bitter to mm, take, yeah. people just really didn't enjoy it, and of course they weren't getting all the medicinal benefits from it, so they started to mix it with gin, water, lime, and sugar, and it ended up being sort of a gin and tonic cocktail, and it was much more palatable for the British <laughs> Army, and they quite enjoyed it. So. <laughs> so what a delicious way to fight malaria. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not it actually worked is a different thing. <laughs> Um, actually, someone just texted in and said, I love juniper. What is the juniperiest gin, in your opinion, for someone who really loves that strong juniper flavor? Do you have a recommendation? The juniperiest gin. Uh, Beef Eater 24 would be up there in mm-hmm. terms of a, a heavy juniper flavor, just simply because of the way they make the gin. They soak that uh, all those botanicals for 24 hours. Oh, wow. So it really takes on that flavor, and then they run it through another distillation process. So what comes the end of the final product is lots of juniper, lots of heavy uh, sencha, Chinese green tea. Mm-hmm. You get uh, and pe- orange peel and citrus peel in there as well. So it gives you a lot of pushes that sort of juniper flavor from nice and forward. Now I uh, I understand that you also created a uh, gin and tonic menu for Reds, mm-hmm. which sort of fascinated me because I I just thought like. Gin and tonic was just a gin and tonic. I didn't know that there could be a whole cocktail menu. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, the, the standard gin and tonic from uh, that we know from growing up, you know, you would just sit at the bar and give me a, a gin and tonic. Uh, over in Spain and Europe, gin has become extremely popular where they have in Barcelona strictly gin bars where you walk in. Really? You'll see 
200, 300 bottles on the wall, and they'll all be gin. And they're very big on the gin and tonic. Wow. Now, what differentiates them from this sort of standard gin and tonic is that you put it into a very large coupe or balloon-style glass, and you can start adding all sorts of botanicals tailored to the flavor of that gin and different tonics that are on the market now each have sort of a unique flavor to it. So you can kind of create your own flavor that you like to drink Mm -hmm. that's going to be different from anybody else's. And each time you change the ingredients, it's going to change the flavor profile of that gin or that tonic. It's going to be personalized to you. Would you ever add anything extra into a G&T or is that sort of forbidden? Like you get straight gin and tonic? No, you can add pretty much whatever you would like to a gin and tonic. Oh, okay. at, uh, at Reds, we add uh, we have a matcha green tea, mm-hmm. the syrup that we make, and we add a little bit of that to one of our cocktails. You can also add things like a little bit of grapefruit juice, yeah. a little bit of lemon juice or lime See, juice. Yeah, now I'm sold on that because I love <laughs> the citrus. So you do have a special menu going on for tonight, is that correct, for International a, G&T Day? Absolutely. We have a celebration going on tonight between 5 and 7.30. We have four gin vendors in. Uh, and they're going to be making, uh, giving out samples of their signature gin and tonic. Cool. And this is Red's Midtown? This is Red's Midtown at the corner of Young and Girard. All right. Good stuff. So if you're looking to celebrate, you can start that very soon. Um, thank you so much, Colin. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Happy G&T Day to everyone. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And thank you for your text messages uh, to win a copy of Duana's book. I'll let you know if you are one of the winners. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone, at PayChen and PayChen.com. And I'll be back next Saturday. And also, thanks, Mike Trutler. Thank <laughs> you.